And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? My name is Nick Scripp here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Keeping the grind going through the fantasy football finish. Uh, week 18 was just upon us last week. We are now in the fantasy um, football offseason. Technically, we still have some football ahead of us here. So uh figured now is the time to start talking about some dynasty trade targets. And I think the timing of dynasty is important for, for fantasy football leagues um, throughout the season. Uh, there's different times to capitalize on values and there's times to go after certain players versus, uh, you know, when, when players are uh, not getting the hype that they deserve, we can go through all those certain, um, you know, timing pieces of dynasty leagues. But today's topic is recency bias dynasty trade targets. Uh, which I'll talk about here in a second. But before we get into anything, I do want to start off this podcast by saying this podcast is uh, partnered up by the Fantasy Points Media Group. Go check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe, one-stop shop for everything fantasy football related that you wouldn't need. And as I said before, uh, topic of the day, recency bias, dynasty trade targets. So we'll get into that in a second. Stay tuned to the show. All right, all right. So once again, solo pod this week. Probably will have some guests on in the coming weeks, but uh, this is a topic I wanted to address right now, um, especially with uh, a lot of teams not playing football right now. So this topic in general, I have some players in mind that can also relate to being recency biased dynasty trade targets, but they're playing in the playoffs this this week. So um, knowing that all eyes will be on these players, I left some names out of this list that, uh, that came to mind. So what we're talking about today is recency bias, dynasty trade targets. And what does that mean? To me, that means uh, some some dynasty trade targets that uh, due to late may not have had, you know, the best outings or the best fantasy weeks or, you know, may have had a change in their dynasty values. And maybe they had a couple bad weeks and some people that might have these players are kind of down on them or their value has taken a dip. And I think now is the time to jump on this recency bias and start sending those offers. So I have a series of players. Um, there's some some names uh, that, again, I left off the list because they're playing this weekend, but we'll kick things off. I think I might have like eight guys to talk about today. So again, guys who might have a dip in their value that now is the time to go jump on these players for trades. All right. So the first guy in the list here and really rough season if you, if you did manage this player, but Calvin Ridley. So the last time Calvin Ridley played was week seven. Uh, he's been out since then because of uh, mental health issues that he was addressing personally that he came out and spoke about. 
Um, this season specifically, he went weeks two through four with 10, 11, and 13 targets in games ranging from 14.1 to 19.3 PPR fantasy points. And everything in the show is PPR related. But uh, we saw some decent games out of him early on in the season. Back in 2020, he was the wide receiver five overall. He had five games in 2020 of 21 plus fantasy points. He averaged 19.4 fantasy points in that 2020 season. Um, also in 2020, at eight games over 100 receiving yards. Uh, back in 2019, if we go even further back, he played weeks one through 14 before he was banged up, and he was the wide receiver eight overall during that span. So we've seen plenty of good games out of Calvin Ridley the past two seasons. Uh, he's the guy that can have um, any sort of game that goes over 100 yards. He's a guy that can take and handle the volume. Uh, he's a guy we've seen tons and tons of good fantasy weeks out of, but the downside right now is the the fact that he has been playing football. Um, there's rumors of a potential move. The GM for the Falcons also said something along the lines of he's in the future plan. So there's a lot of back and forth when it comes to Calvin Ridley. I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is in a recent startup with some awesome analysts that, that I uh, have been part of. Um, I took him in the sixth round of a startup. And if we went back a year ago, I'd say there's no way he is being drafted outside of the third. So you can clearly see that the value has shifted because of the uncertainty of when is he going to be back playing football? Is he going to be back on the Falcons? You know, where is he going to be? Um, is he good? You know, we, we hope the best for this guy. Obviously, we want him to play football. Um, but because of these uncertainties, that, that value's changed. So now is the time, I think, to go and target Calvin Ridley. And when I when I bring up these guys in this episode today, you know, a lot of people will say, like, give actionable advice. And I can throw out, you know, random picks and things like that. Um, and I can start saying certain players, but at the end of the day, I, I can start listing some players and you as a listener or a viewer will say, well, I don't have any of these guys. So um, what I would say is, you know, start testing the waters with these guys. Um, you can start sending out uh, just some, some trade talks with managers. If you ever want to DM me and say, hey, is this a good offer for this player you talked about? Definitely do that. But sometimes it's kind of hard to give actionable advice in the offseason because I don't know what your roster looks like. I don't know what sort of league it is. Um, but yeah, Kelvin really is the first guy. Awesome player. He's had off, awesome uh, fantasy weeks. But the uncertainty is, you know, is he playing? You know, where, where is he going to be next season? And he hasn't played in a long time, so his value has taken a dip. Next guy on my list, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Smith a lot of S's there, but yeah, Juju. Hit the IR this season. He only appeared in five games. He was hurt in that fifth game. Underwent a shoulder surgery. 2017, he was a second rounder. He was super young. He's still only 25 years old. So he was drafted in 2017. He's still only 25 years old. Uh, he had eight touchdowns in his rookie season. He went over 1,400 yards in his second season. 2020 was the wide receiver 17. 2019 missed several games. Uh, 2018, it was the wide receiver eight in that sophomore season. So the big thing with Juju is he gets a lot of stick because I feel like the expectations rose very high for him uh, in Pittsburgh, especially after that huge sophomore season. And the fact that, you know, a guy like Deontay Johnson came in and was taking a lot of the targets and then they drafted Chase Claypool, there were some weeks where he was cold, right? Uh, but 
We've seen the ability to score a decent amount of touchdowns in the league. We've seen the ability to go over a thousand yards receiving. Um, what we have to keep in mind when it comes to Juju is I don't think he's going to be back in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of teams that need a wide receiver. He is going to be a free agent. He should be healthy. I mean, if we go down the list, the Lions, the Texans, the Jets, the Vikings, the Browns, the Eagles, the Saints, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bills, Packers, the Bears, there's so many teams, and I'm probably missing a team that really needs one, but there's so many teams that need a wide receiver. And I think that a 25-year-old wide receiver that has done very good things for fantasy in the past is a guy that we should be looking at in Dynasty Leagues. And I know that he slipped down the draft boards uh, for many people. He's a guy also took in that same startup pretty late, but he's a guy that's done it before. He's a guy that's young, and he's a guy that's probably going to be in a good opportunity come 2022 for this 2022 uh, season. So Juju is another guy due to him, him not playing at all um, since week five. I think his value is taking a big dip and he's a guy you can target right now. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. So some people have held on to the same sort of values. Some people have been concerned about his value. He's not played since week 14. He only played 14% of those snaps in week 14. He missed uh, week 11 as well. Week 10, he only had 15.42. And then week 12, he had 9.4. Week 13, he had 17.62. So he's missed a lot of games for one. And then for two, he's had a lot of poor weeks in comparison to what the expectation is for Lamar Jackson. What's the upside, though? Looking just at this season. I mean, the guy was, you know, an MVP, not super long ago, but let's just look at this season. Week two versus Kansas City. He threw for 239 yards and a touchdown. He rushed for 107 yards and two touchdowns, 32.26 fantasy points. Week five versus Indy. He threw for 442 yards, which kind of like stuck it to the people that said he can't throw the ball for big passing days. He did. He threw for 86% of 43 pass attempts in that game. So that was a great passing day for Lamar Jackson. Four passing touchdowns. Great passing day, 41.88 fantasy points. Week 9 versus Minnesota, 266 passing yards, three touchdowns, 120 uh, rushing yards, 30.64 fantasy points. The connection with Hollywood Brown looked pretty good this year early on before the bye. Rashad Bateman continued to trend in the right direction and develop. He did take a little bit of a dip, but then went back up. Mark Andrews was the best tight end for fantasy this year, which usually means he's very good for real life. Um, football. We know the rushing upsides there. The weapons look good. J.K. Dobbins is coming back. If people are concerned about him missing all this time and then having some down weeks, I think, again, now is that time in Dynasty Leagues. Like, hey, test the waters. Are people down on him because he hasn't played? Are people down on him because he's had some down games this year? I still really like Lamar Jackson. He's great for fantasy. Wouldn't be a podcast without talking about Elijah Moore, but Elijah Moore, again, has been a guy that hasn't played in a couple weeks. He landed on the IR. Then he was on the COVID list shortly after that. The wildest stat of the year for Elijah Moore is that he had three games of 20-plus fantasy points with four different quarterbacks. Mike White, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson. Following the bye, weeks 7 through 13, if we combine those weeks, he was the wide receiver three overall as a rookie on the Jets. He saw a game with two touchdowns. He saw a game with 141 receiving yards. 
He handled a ton of volume at Ole Miss. And we see in the league now, give him the volume, he capitalizes. Uh, he hasn't played in a while, so the height might have died down a bit. So again, timing is everything. Don't wait until you know people start looking back at those clips. I'd say now when people know that I haven't had this guy in a couple weeks, he hasn't played in a couple weeks, this is the time, I think, to jump on an Elijah Moore offer in your Dynasty League because come next season, his price is going to be very, very high. Next on the list, Terry McLaurin. So he was super hyped up with Ryan Fitzpatrick until the hip injury for Fitzpatrick. Taylor Heineke really didn't come in and, and exactly up Terry's uh, dynasty value or his redraft value. He had a really, um, really tough end of the season. Uh, he finishes the wide receiver 25 overall for weeks one through 17, which you would say, like, that's not an Allen Robinson of this year's season. It's not terrible, but many people had Terry McLaurin within their top. 10 to 15 wide receivers going into the year. Since the bye, McLaurin played in eight fantasy games. 50% of those games were under 10 fantasy points. Only one was 14 uh, points or higher. Uh, a really rough stretch for Terry McLaurin uh, the second half of the season. He had a handful of solid outings, which you know show his ability. 27.7 fantasy points week two versus the Giants. 30.3 versus Atlanta week four. 25.2 week seven versus Green Bay, 21.3 week 11 versus Carolina. On the flip side, though, 11 games under 12 fantasy points this year. Seeing the ability to go over 100 yards, to score touchdowns, to handle volume should bring you some confidence because we have to think that, um, you know, Heineke was a huge part of why Terry had a, a rough season. Um, but we got to understand that also things are going to change. They have a great defense. This is a team with a stud wide receiver. They have a stud running back. They're going to be a team that wants to get back to the playoffs. So I, I doubt Heineke after, you know, having a 65% completion rate and then a, a 20 to 15 touchdown to interception ratio, and then having a, a rating of 85.9, you have to understand that <clears throat> it's probably not in the future plans. So uh, with the QB carousel, you know, that's going to happen. You know, there's some names out there of guys that might change teams. I think Washington is appealing because, again, they have a good weapon in Terry McLaurin. You know, Curtis Samuel Healthy is a decent receiver as well with Antonio Gibson in the backfield, a good defense. This is a team that I think, given the right quarterback, can be very good. And seeing that Terry had a down year for what his expectations are, again, now is the time. Timing is everything. I'm staying on the Jerry Judy train. I get some shit for it all the time. And some other people, you know, that primarily just tweet things all the time, you know, have, have ripped him here and there. But I'm, I'm staying on the Jerry Judy train. It kind of has to do with some of the things I said about Terry McLaurin. So looking at Jerry Judy, he was, again, we're going back to him, his final season at Alabama, 77 receptions for 1,163 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. And I think like 13 games, uh, I was huge on Jerry, uh, Jerry Judy coming into the NFL. He missed several weeks this year following an ankle injury. He had some games with some decent targets, but uh, only had a few games that floated around 11 to 13 fantasy points. Uh, two bigger games um, last year stand out to me. Week nine versus Atlanta, seven catches for 125 receiving yards and a touchdown, 24.5 fantasy points. Week 17. 
which is outside the fantasy season, but still. Versus Las Vegas, five catches for 140 receiving yards, a touchdown, and 27 fantasy points. It's a small sample size of good games, but if you believe in the talent of certain guys in Dynasty, they're worth holding or they're worth trying to buy for the low, especially when things do not look good because his season was not good because of the injury that he had and then also because of quarterback play. I mean, we can't always blame the quarterback for everything. Bridgewater, Bridgewater was, you know, a manager out there and the way that the Denver Broncos ran their offense, they weren't, you know, focusing on getting Jerry Judy and the offense, the ball through the air. I think they, they prioritized the run game a lot. Uh, then you had Drew Locke playing, which we saw in his last game with Jerry Judy this season, overthrowing him like crazy. Um, but again, uh, to me, Denver is a very attractive place for a quarterback. And when we look at the the names of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and uh, Deshaun Watson, you have to think that on their shortlist, if they were to move, and maybe they don't move, but if they were to move, Denver's got to be on there. I mean, having a receiving core of Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler when he comes back, Noah Fant at tight end, they have a great defense, they have a solid, solid young running back. This is an attractive spot to be in for a quarterback. And Denver's either going to draft a quarterback or make a huge push to bring one in. So knowing that there's a high chance for the quarterback play to be better next year, now is the time to go and put in that bid for Jerry Judy before that happens. Because in the hypothet you know, hypothetical world, they draft a stud quarterback out of this class or in the hypothetical world that, you know, one of these veteran quarterbacks ends up in Denver, his price is going to go crazy. So you have to do it now or you're not going to do it in terms of trying to buy him. Uh, there's going to be a new coaching staff as well. So again, for me, I've seen small flashes in the NFL out of Jerry Judy, small sample size, but I still believe in the player. I still believe in the ability and I still believe that things are going to get better in Denver for the quarterback position. So again, now is the time to buy before anything changes and then the price goes up because right now a lot of people are down on Jerry Judy. A lot of people are down on this offense because of what happened this season. Justin Fields. So um, I'm really excited for a shift in coaching and management for the Bears. Obviously, as a Bears fan and a Justin Fields fan, um, Fields missed the last three regular uh, regular season games, which Again, some people were probably not playing him for fantasy, which means he's been sitting on people's benches. And when a guy is sitting on benches, that might be the time to go and knock on the door and say, hey, what are you, what are you looking for for this guy? Does this trade work? Always offer something. Don't, don't just ask that question. But uh, looking at Justin Fields and looking at the, the uh, upside this year, week eight versus San Francisco, 70.4 for his completion percentage, 175 yards throwing, 103 yards rushing. A touchdown in each category, rushing and throwing. 26.3 fantasy points. He was the QB5 for that week. Week 9 versus Pittsburgh, 291 passing yards. A touchdown, 45 rushing, 19.14 QB10 for that week. Week 14, 224 passing yards, 74 rushing yards, two passing touchdowns. Week 15, he had 285 passing yards and a touchdown. He was the QB10 in both weeks 14 and 15 individually. So, that's four times 
in Justin Fields' full games that he was a top 10 quarterback for fantasy. If that does not start making the red flashing lights go off, I don't know what what will. Chicago is likely looking to probably pair Darnell Mooney with with someone. You know, I, I really like Komet. I think Komet has taken strides to get better in his play. I think he's got some areas to improve upon, but I, I really do like Komet. Darnell Mooney has had excellent games this year. Darnell Mooney was very, very good. I am going to assume that the Bears are going to either sign a free agent, and I'll have some later shows on, on you know topics like that, or go after somebody. And I also like the pieces on the defensive side of the ball. That's going to help the team in general. David Montgomery does his job very well. So uh, he played 60% of snaps or above in 10 games this year, Justin Fields. So I'm kind of going to repeat something. He played 60% of the snaps or more in 10 games this year. Four of them, so 40% of them, were top 10 games as a rookie. Justin Fields is a major, major buy if you can right now. We saw the flashes of accuracy, flashes of passing yard upside, the rushing yard upside we know about, the total touchdown both in the air and on the ground. We've seen that this year. He needs to limit his turnovers. He, he really does. He needs to not fumble the ball. He needs to not throw the interceptions. But we're talking about a rookie. Most rookies we have the same sort of conversations for. So, again, Justin Fields, he's been sitting on people's benches for the last couple of weeks. If there's a time to buy, it's it's right now. And I'm going to be overly high in this guy with no Bears bias just because, again, we've seen many weeks, multiple weeks this season, of him being a top-10 guy in his rookie year. Last guy, you know, I you know I put out some stats earlier uh, on him, uh, on uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, and I got, like, minimal interaction, if, you know, any at all. I think I had one, like, poor interaction with it. But Hollywood-Brown weeks one through seven – Marquise Brown, before the bye this season, was the wide receiver six overall. In these games, PPR points in his finish. So he had 19.4 week one, wide receiver 17. 23.3 in week two, wide receiver seven. Skip ahead to week four, 19.1, wide receiver 13. Week five, 33.5, wide receiver three. Week seven, 19, wide receiver 10. So he had multiple weeks as a top 10 wide receiver before the bye. He had many games, though, later on during the season that were were pretty poor. So uh, 10 fantasy points, I think, above. There was only one game of 15-plus after the stretch of the bye um, looking later on. Lamar Jackson, you know, missed five games following the bye. I think that was a big impact. I think them two looked pretty good together. There was a lot of times early, you know, early on in the season where Lamar Jackson was actually throwing the ball a lot and finding Hollywood Brown and, and seeing a stretch of games before the bye where he was pretty good and like decently consistent, that was a good sign for Marquise Brown. But then you look later on during the season, no Lamar Jackson and, you know, Marquise is out there running around but not really doing much. I think he had a really, really poor half uh, second half of the season, which would open up a window for him to be a guy that you can – Go after in the offseason. I don't think anybody's super high on Marquise Brown right now. You know, Rashad Bateman, I think, complements Marquise Brown well and vice versa. Mark Andrews, we know, is a stud for the tight end position. I think knowing that there's three guys in the offense that can be thrown to 
including J.K. Dobbins when he comes back. I think that helps Marquise Brown because I don't think he's a guy that, you know, can handle all of the focus on him. We've seen plenty of games early on in the this season where he was a top 10 guy, top 12 guy. So um, I think that his value is pretty low right now. And again, just seeing the glimpses of him and Lamar Jackson early, early on in the season, I, I, I'm still interested. I'm still interested. So uh, the guys that are left off this list that I do want to mention before we close the show out, uh, I was going to talk about CEH a little bit. You know, he's going to be the starter next season. The value on him has continued to trend in the wrong direction. He's missed time this year. Uh, the backup was good. Daryl Williams. Zeke's another guy whose value is going to continue to go down, but he still might be a guy that you can get for the low. And then Darren Waller is another guy. Missed most of the season. He's going to be 20. I think he's 29 right now. But next season, redraft or, or dynasty, if you are really looking to make a push towards a championship, Darren Waller is another guy to think about. But all three of these guys, what do they have in common? They're playing this weekend. So it's hard to go in and buy guys that are going to play this weekend, especially if any of them, you know, have a great day. Uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my list for now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys to consider as recency bias trade targets. And again, what do I mean by that? I mean that uh, as of late, these guys either did not play or did not play well, which means their value might've taken a dip. And when values take a dip in dynasty leagues, that is the time to buy. So uh, those are some guys to consider. Again, if you want to hit me up and say, hey, I'm thinking about trying to uh, acquire one of these guys. Do you think this trade is a good one? Hit me up on Twitter. You know, hit me up on Twitter. I'll uh, I'll answer your DMs when I get a chance, and, and I'm always down to talk about some trades. But thank you guys for tuning in. Looking forward to this offseason. It's going to be a long grind. I'm going to be getting after it every single week with some guests, some solo pods as well. Uh, but trying to stay as uh, active as possible, especially, uh, especially for you guys in these uh, dynasty leagues. So have a good night, guys.